And the thing is, after all these years, I still look back with wonder. Hey there, Wonderlings! Welcome to the weekend. Yes, it's Saturday at 1 in the afternoon, and it's actually not bad out. Maybe 20-some degrees, but I saw the sun coming out. <laughs> um, but other than that, um, I've had a pretty ne- pretty good week. It's been pretty good. I hope everyone else is having a good... <laughs> you should introduce myself. <laughs> for those of you that are just l- tuning into the podcast for the first time... I am Angela Bowen. I am the host of Looking Back on My Wonder Years, a Wonder Years podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking about, we are almost done with this podcast. After this episode, we will have two episodes left of the Wonder Years. But today, we are covering, I am covering season six, episode 18, entitled Poker. Which aired on March 24th, 1983. When Kevin and his friends get together for their weekly... Okay, I'm going to read this one. And then after I'm done with this, I will read the booklet. Because we're getting two conflicting things here. Iron to them is forced to face up to their problems. Chuck is worried about possibly becoming a father. Oh, so you're telling me that he and Alice knocked boots? <laughs> Randy is failing math. Okay, so we get a reappearance of Randy. He Randy Mitchell has been with the show. The character Randy Mitchell has been with the show since, definitely since season two. I don't know if he was in season one, but definitely season two. Jeff is accused of being a cheater. Are, are you telling me that sweet new girl that he and Kevin and Winnie, they all kind of went on that double date? I forgot what her name was. Are you telling me that he cheated? Jeff is a nice guy. If he's a cheater, he is a me. Um, oh my goodness. He is going to be so wrong in my eyes. Paul and Kevin realize how much they've grown apart. And honestly, think about it. Paul and Kevin, since season one, have been inseparable. The best of friends. They've known each other since they were like... 30-some hours old, like a day and a half old. They've done everything together. In season 5, Paul went on to prep school for his freshman year. And then in season 6, he came back to just do regular high school. By that time, we've seen Kevin make other friends. You know, Ricky. um, Glasses, who we don't see his disgusting self anymore. Which is good, because I did not like that kid. He was annoying. Um... You know, um, Chuck, and of course, in season six, Jeff. So now that Paul is kind of re-entering the picture, it feels that Kevin has kind of already found his niche with these other guys. And I'm not saying, I mean, these guys, they got nothing on Paul. Paul is the end-all, be-all, best friend forever. And, but what I'm seeing here is Kevin is kind of a goofy, you know, jokester, you know, with the guy friends. And Paul is more the level-headed friend. And Paul, I think, is probably feeling like he's kind of uppity, like, um, like upper, not upper crust, maybe, but maybe he feels maybe he's, like, too stuffy. Which I'll read in the booklet description, because that's what it kind of says. But, 
as I've said before, sometimes the friends we make when we're younger, we may not always be the best of friends. Like, you're the best of friends. You exchange, like, best friends forever bracelets and, 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 and whatnot as kids. But then as you get older, especially as teenagers, as young adults, your interests change and maybe you're not as close as you once were. Like, you might have that one friend that you're really, really close with, but even me, like, the friends I made, like, in junior high and high school, I'm still friends with them, I may talk to them on occasion, but the closeness just is not there anymore because we just have kind of went our own separate ways, we got our own lives now and stuff like that, so, but I'll get more into that in a minute. Oh, this episode's got an 8.0 out of 10, based on 121 ratings. This episode was directed by David Grenwalt. I want to see, did he direct any other episodes of The Wonder Years? Let's see here. Oh, he directed four episodes. Season 5, he directed Frank and Denise and Kodachrome. See, that's the one I could not pronounce. Season 6, Nose and Poker. Alright. Let's see what else he's done. Um, that show Angel, that was a spinoff of Bu- oh, and Buffy. He directed like four episodes of that, seven episodes of Angel, and then a couple episodes of a show called Grimm. Let's see here. What else we got? Neil Marlins and Carol Black, who are the creators. We got John Harmon Feldman teleplay and Max Muchnik. The story was by him, and also David Cohen. So I'm kind of curious if they have done more episodes of the Raider, the the Wonder Years, which yeah, one episode. All right, for David. Let's see, Max here. He's got 20 Raiders credits. One. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Well, let's see here. Uh, we have some connections. Columbo. Jeff says, excuse me, Lieutenant Columbo. Well, that's a stretch. Did you know Dan Laria, Allie Mills, Jason Hervey, and Danica McKellar do not appear in this episode, although they are featured in the opening credits? They're not going to change the opening credits, I don't think, just because someone is not in an episode. That I don't think they do that. I mean, it's one thing if the sh- the, ca- the one of the main characters like is not on the show anymore, like um, Olivia Diabo. I don't think that she's included in the credits. And I'll look, I'll look, but I don't think she is. Soundtracks. When I grow up to be a man, by the Beach Boys. I love this song. I'm more familiar with this song in the movie look who's talking when they're doing the montage of baby Mikey going from like six months to nine months to a you know three months to six months to nine months to a full year that is such a kid you know I gotta watch look who's talking now because it's set around Christmas time I gotta get on my uh, Christmas movie watching (laughs) um last week I binged all of like have a season two, all of the nine episodes of season three of This Is Us. And I admit, like, I love the show. I'm so pumped for January 15th when season three returns. But I think that was kind of hindering, like, me, like, 
doing my podcast stuff because I was just like, I gotta watch it, I gotta watch it, I gotta watch it. This is us. And my coworker finally convinced me to check out the US version of The Office on Netflix. And it's a funny show. I'm, I just, I think I'm on the third episode of season one, but, you know, he kind of tells me that, um, that, oh, once I get, you know, f- when you get farther along into season one, once you get into, like, season two and stuff, it gets even funnier. I'm like, wow, that's something to look forward to. Um, I'm gonna read the book, where am I? Here I am. Okay, the booklet. Poker, air date, March 24th, 1993. So this is where it kind of, you get a different description here. During the bi-monthly, bi-monthly, not bi-weekly, bi-monthly. So bi-monthly, I'm trying to think, is that every other month? I'm going to go ask Jeremy, hold on. Yeah, I'm asking Jeremy and he's trying to figure it out too. (laughs) We don't know. So, Jeremy looked it up. I guess it can be, like, um, every other week or every other month or take it however you want, I guess. Um, during the bi-monthly Friday Night High Stakes poker game, Chuck fears his girlfriend may be pregnant. So, if we know he's currently dating Alice, buddy, I, Chuck is so dumb. It's like... Do you even know what sex is? I'm sure he does. But he probably didn't even bother to use a condom. We do not need any offspring of Chuck and Alice running around. I'm telling you now, no. Randy reveals he is failing math. Well, then get a tutor. Jeff may be cheating. That's real great. See... I don't, I like Jeff's character and the idea that he could be cheating on his girlfriend does not sit well with me. I had high hopes for this guy and you just fell very far in my book, Jeff. And Kevin learns that Paul is too stuffy for the other guy's like. Okay, so it says for the other guy's liking as in Paul's just Paul. He's not going to change. You know, that's just him. Kevin, if your friends don't like him, then that's their problem. That's not your problem. That sure as hell is not Paul's problem. Maybe you need to find some better friends. Paul is... Paul... Nobody can compare to Paul. Paul is the end-all, be-all, best friend, forever, for life, blood brother. He is the best. Forever and ever. Okay. (laughs) Um... As I like to do on the podcast, if you're a new listener, I like to let you guys know how to follow along with the podcast. You can go to Facebook, looking back on my Wonder Years, a Wonder Years podcast Facebook page. You can go to Instagram at LBOM Wonder Years podcast. And you can even shoot me an email at LBOM Wonder Years podcast at gmail.com. If you're a regular listener, if you enjoy have been enjoying the podcast for a while now, if you haven't yet, I would love it if you would go to iTunes and leave a five-star review or a, a review. would make my Christmas. Um, 
you know, even though the podcast is ending in two two episodes from now, as far as the Wonder Years, the Wonder Years covering the Wonder Years will be done. But that does not mean that podcast the podcast itself is going to be defunct. No, we have Mr. Belvedere. We have Growing Pains, which is most likely going to be either um, bi-weekly, so every, you know, twice a month, possibly. Um, I might do uh, once a month a Belvedere podcast episode, which I don't go in order with that with Growing Pains. I am not doing every single episode. I am not really doing them in order either. I'm just going to pick and choose. Also, coming sometime in 2019, I'm still working out the kinks, and it will be on the Wonder Years podcast um, feed, is a small wonder podcast. I still gotta create a theme. I gotta come up with a title. If you guys want to help me out with that, you can more than send me an email at lbomwonderyearspodcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions or insights on any of the shows, be it Wonder Years, Growing Pains, Belvedere, or Small Wonder, or even American Dreams, I would love to hear your thoughts and insights. So, Alright guys, without further ado, let's jump into this episode. Also, aside from Growing Pains, Belvedere, and eventually Small Wonder, I am still doing the weekly podcast of Silver Spoons. Season 2 will start up in February, so I'm still keeping that going, guys. It's um, on the Punky Power podcast feed, and also it's going to be on the Wonder Years feed, because you guys just seem to love the Silver Spoons, which I do too. I'm excited, you know, to... Follow Ricky Stratton through his preteen years on to his high school years. It's going to be great. So, Also, I am re-uploading or re-releasing the Christmas Wonder Years episodes. I'll do a couple. I'll do one today, um, the season four episode, and then season five and six. Those Christmas episodes will be released next week. So... Or actually, wait, I'll do one today, and then one next week, and then the week of Christmas, I'll do that. Also, Christmas on Division Street, a TV Christmas movie starring Fred Savage that came out in 1991. I'll be covering that as well, and Home Alone 2. I'll re-release my review commentary of Home Alone from last year. I'll re-release that before I do Home Alone 2, so. All right. As per usual, I've forgotten to do the quotes. I'm going to do that. Narrator, adult Kevin. If there's one way to describe adolescence, it might be this. It's a gamble. An an adventure into the unexpected. A step into the unknown. It's a time of life that pits hope against fear and logic against prayer. A game of luck. And opportunity. Not unlike, say, for instance, poker. Now we open... So as we hear the quote from Kevin, we get the guys, you know, Jeff, Paul, Chuck, and Randy all doing different sorts of things. Like, they're on their way to the the nightly poker game, or the weekly, bi-monthly, every Friday, every other Friday poker game. We got... (laughs) <laughs> Sorry guys. Um 
We got Jeff, who's grabbing some money out of his wallet, getting ready to head out the door. We see Paul exiting his house. We see a church, and I'm like, why do we see a church with, like, candles? Chuck is praying, and at this point, we don't know why. Although, if you read the description, it's because he thinks he's got, he knocked up his girlfriend. And we see Randy driving on his way to, I'm guessing this has got to be, like, in the basement of the Arnold house. And this is when we get the When I Grew Up to Be a Man song. So we see Randy driving his car, and I think he's got, like, a lucky rabbit's foot that he kind of pulls down from the rearview mirror, and he's kind of, like, uh, rubbing it between his fingers, probably for luck. So to start off, the guys are all, oh, this is a really nice uh, poker table. And it looks like right now they're just kind of throwing... Oh, it's all changed. I don't see any bills. It's all like a bunch of quarters, nickels, dimes, and pennies. So this card table, it's got the spot for all your coins. It's got a, like, drink coaster holder thing. This is just such a cool setup. Poker. Alright, I call. Pair of queens. <laughs> so let's see Two twos. <laughs> Nothing but ace high. Two pair. Nines and fours. The bi-monthly Friday night high-stakes <laughs> poker game. Jeff, junior year, it was ritual. Three kings. Don't worry, guys. It's going to a good cause. Me. Of course, it was more than just a rotating tournament, depending on whose parents were out for the evening. And it was about more than just cold, hard cash. Okay, Nicolanti. This game was defined by personality. Ours. Okay, boys. How about a little night baseball, huh? Nines are wild. Threes are wild. Any picture car with facial hair. Wild. There was the over-enthusiastic. Straight poker. And the all-American. Follow your bet. There was the cautious. I don't know. Let me think for a second. Paul. While we're still young. And the impatient. Okay. Three cents. And of course, the supremely confident. Um, uh, quarter. A quarter? That's kind of steep, isn't it? Quarter. And despite our different styles, we maintained the easy give and take of friendship that I knew would endure well into the future. So I hear like a baseball game or a football game or some type of sports program that's playing on the radio in the background. And the guys are all kind of going around, um, showing their hands, seeing what they got. Jeff wins the first pot and they're all putting in like really small amounts of bets like nickel um, Paul throws in, I like Paul's hair, like, his bangs, it's like, it kind of, one side is kind of swept off to the side, and then he's got, like, a little bit of bang kind of hanging over, like, one eye. It's really, I like his hair. So, of course, because Je uh, Jeff won the pot, he throws up an, uh, a quarter, a whole quarter. And Kevin's like, quarter 25 cents that's a little steep i mean you gotta think that these guys the money they got is clearly coming from whether they have a part-time job or an allowance i don't know is kevin working in season six is he still at the um the chinese place 
he might still be because I'm trying to think season six right he and Winnie were date they're dating and he wanted to get a raise because more than likely that already happened that he wanted that raise so that way he could get her like a really fluffy cashmere sweater or something right so Kevin kind of envisions them because it's a ritual they play at whosoever house you know the parents are gone in so I'm guessing this might be Kevin's house but now Kevin's envisioning them as like older men in their 50s and 60s you know that it's become such a ritual that they're now playing it as old men they probably got grandkids at this point Kevin from the side profile and I want to check from the side profile this looks like um the guy that played Jerry Seinfeld's father on um Seinfeld so I'm gonna check that out real quick I was right, Barney Martin. Wow, he passed away like 13 years ago. Because I'm like, no, that looks like it. And it is. We got, everyone's got an old person playing them. Burt Saunders, which doesn't look like he really did much. He plays old Randy. We got old Chuck Coleman, Bob Larkin, which this guy's been in... Spinning some stuff. Let's see who else we got here. Billy Beck plays old Paul. F oh, this guy passed away. R.I.P. Billy Beck. What's he been in? He passed away in 2011. Wow, he was in the 1988 movie The Blob as Can Man. This guy was also in 2011. Who else we got here? Um, Walt Beaver. <laughs> Walt Beaver. Let's see. Oh, this guy was in Seinfeld episode. Alright. I'm playing this clip because this is hilarious. As Kevin, as an old man, is like, don't put your glass right here. It will leave a stain. My father will kill me. I'd be like, Kevin, your dad is dead. He has been dead in the grave for quite a while because you are a 60-year-old man. <laughs> I don't think he'll care. <laughs> And, of course, old Paul is like, these chairs are affecting my prostate. I knew would endure well into the future. Don't put the glass right on the table. My father will kill me if he sees a stain. I'm, I'm fairly certain these chairs of yours are aggravating my prostate. His hands an all-time butte. You should frame it. Hang it on the wall. Okay, then. Who needs cards? Give me four. Anyone else? Three. Uh, give me two. Uh, um, no, wait. Um, better make that three. Jeff? None. None? Are you sure? My fault. My fault. Well, then. Guess I'm the lucky winner. Still, we weren't old men yet. We were teenage boys. Innocent. Uncomplicated. So is anyone hungry? Hungry. Let's go. I got you. The 8 o'clock snack you. break. A chance to mix simple pleasantries with complex carbohydrates and starch. I can't believe it. Do you guys have any idea what you're putting into your bodies? Not you. What do you mean this isn't healthy? <laughs> I'd hate to see your digestive tract in 10 years.
Tell you what, you don't ask and I won't offer, alright? Kev, don't you have any fruit in this house? Yeah, it's on the bottom. No, all I see here is an apple pie. Right. Apples of fruit. <laughs> Forget it. I had an orange in my car. The old man they have playing Jeff. Cause you know Jeff's got the, the weird the side part with the curly mop of hair. And they have this the old man. I don't know if that's real or not, or if it's a wig, but then it's just comical just looking at it. Jeff, of course, wins the pot as an old man. This guy is Jeff is on a roll. Um, it's 8 o'clock, the boys want a snack break, as Chuck's like, hey, you guys hungry? Let's get a pizza. They all go upstairs, so we have confirmed, yes, this is taking place in Kevin's basement. Which has also been converted into Wayne's bedroom that we see from season 6, episode 1, because he kind of made it his own little bachelor pad. Um, the boys... Are grabbing snacks. They got chips. They got cookies. They got. We see a pack of Oreos on the counter. Of course, Paul comes up and he's all like, Oh my gosh, you guys know what that's doing to your digestive system and what the crap you're putting into your bodies? They're teenage boys. Paul, they don't give a shit what they're putting into their bodies. It's all. It's junk food. They're not there to eat healthy, but Paul apparently is like, Hey, Kev, you got some fruit. Kevin's like, yeah, on the bottom shelf. And Paul's like, yeah, all I see is an apple pie. And Kevin's like, yeah, apple's a fruit, right? So Paul, of course, he comes prepared. He's like, I think I got an orange in my car. I'll be right back. So the guys, while Paul is away, are kind of saying, wow, what's up with the, your, your friend Paul? Because I think they only include Paul because it's Kevin's best friend, but they clearly don't run in the same circle. They, Paul is more prim. He's more conscious about what he's putting into his body. And these guys just are shoving their faces full of chemicals and, and, and junk food and what have you. So... I think they're gonna kind of get on Kevin's case here about, like, Paul. Like, what's with Paul? You know, I don't see why you still hang out with him and this is that. So I'm gonna play this clip. What do you mean? <laughs> well, it's just that he's kind of like, um, how should I say it? Not fun. A major downer. What are you guys talking about? Ah, uh, Kev? About the ski trip over spring vacation? Yeah, we're all still going, right? See, the thing is, we don't think we're going to have room for Pfeiffer. What do you mean? I thought all of us were going. Well, it's not Paul so much. It's just that uh, Chuck's car only, only, only fits four people. You can check the manual. And my uncle's cabin only has four beds. So what are you guys trying to say? Even though it was pretty clear. <clears throat> so, what I miss... Now, Paul Pfeiffer had been my best friend for 17 years. I'd always told him everything. Nothing. Really? No, you were just, uh, talking. Oh, come on, guys. Let's get back to the game. After all, Paul was just being himself. Want orange? Nothing. Come on. As opposed to, say... So, yeah, as soon as Paul leaves the room... 
Jeff, Randy, and Chuck are on Kevin about what is with Paul. Um, he's just, wow, he, he never quits. And Kevin's like, what are you guys talking about? And Jeff's like, well, let me uh, put it this way. He, he's not fun. In a way, I guess you could say, like, they're saying that Paul is basically a stick in the mud. And this brings up, well, I guess there's going to be a ski trip during, like, maybe spring break. And now the boys are saying, well, Randy's car or Chuck's car, someone's car, only has room for this many people. And Chuck's like, oh, yeah, so it's Chuck's car. And Chuck's like, oh, yeah, check the manual. Like, and it's Randy's place that there's, or um, his dad's ski lodge or cabin that only has four beds. So at one point they might have been on board with having Paul join, but after the, this whole thing with Paul's getting on their nerves, like we really don't. And up to this point, you know, Kevin has known Paul for 17 years. He's always stuck up for him. And yeah, maybe Kevin Greaseleek, maybe he's a little, but you know, he keeps that to himself. That's his best friend. And it just seems like, you know, Paul does not jive well with the guys. You know, they like goofball funniness. Where the hell's Ricky? I mean, we saw him in the Nose episode, but we didn't see him the last episode in the uh, Eclipse episode. But anyway, um, if this were Ricky, they would bend over backwards. Like, yeah, we got room for Ricky. Of course they would. But Paul is another story. They are just not accepting of him, and they're like, well, sorry, Paul can't come. And Kevin's like, what? I don't understand. I don't get you guys. I thought you liked him. And they're just rubbing, Paul's just rubbing them the wrong way. So Paul comes back in. He's like, oh, hey, guys, what, what are you talking about? And Kevin's like, oh, no, we're um, just talking about stuff. No, he's not going to tell Paul that they were all talking about him behind his back, you know. And Kevin always is the defender of Paul to everybody. When everyone says, like, well, Paul's weird, he's stuck up, he's this, he's that. Kevin will always come to Paul's defense. But this time, Kevin just is, doesn't want to hurt Paul's feelings. Like, oh, no, we were just, you know, talking, you know, stuff. It's not important. <laughs> so, like, all right, let's go play another round of poker. Some of the rest of us. Chuck, the bet is a quarter. You threw in a nickel? Uh, right. Quarter. By 8.30, Chuck Coleman's natural ebullience was fading fast. So, Chuck, what's wrong with you? Nothing. Just have some stuff on my mind. What kind of stuff? Uh, you know. Eh, me and Alice. Oh, what, are you guys fighting again? No, it's nothing like that. Well, if you're not fighting, what are you two doing? There are moments in life that alter history and change the course of human events. You did. This was one of them. <laughs> it was a stirring revelation that merited only one response. No, I hope you use some kind of protection. Huh? I said I hope you use protection. <laughs> of course I did, Pfeiffer. I mean, what kind of stooge do you take me for? 
ask an idiotic question. Well, are we gonna play cards or not? No, I'm out. Me too. Yeah, me too. Speaking of idiotic, well, you're not gonna smoke that thing, are you? Do you have any idea what it's gonna do to your lungs? Not to mention my sweater. I don't believe it. He's actually lighting it. Oh, come on, it's only a cigar. Look, I have some air freshener in my car. I'll be right back. I guess you could say Paul's consistency was getting a little too consistent. Okay, so they're back at the poker table, and Kevin reminds Chuck, like, hey, Chuck, it's a quarter bet as Chuck, I guess, put in, like, a nickel. He's like, oh, yeah, a quarter. And Chuck is doing his normal, like, shaking of the knee and everything. His hands are he's all over the place. Kevin takes notice of this, like, hey, Chuck, what's up? And Chuck's like, nothing, nothing, nothing's wrong. And Chuck's like, come on, what, what's going on with you? You and Alice fight again. And Paul, of course, has to throw in the fact, like, when are they not fighting? Or if you're not fighting, then what else are you doing? The camera goes to each of the guys' expressions, and they all look at each other. Well, everybody but Paul. So, yeah, Jeff, Randy, and Kevin are all like, oh, wait to go, Chuck. Clearly, yeah. It's like, yeah, if you're not fighting, you're clearly fucking. And they're like, oh, wait, because Kevin, Kevin's a virgin. I'm sure Randy is one. Jeff, I'm sure. Paul is not a virgin. He lost his virginity in the season five episode, Carnal Knowledge, with that college student. So, of course, Paul's going to be the ball buster. He's like, well, I hope you use protection like a fucking condom. And Chuck is like, well, of course. What do you take me for? I mean, and if I were Paul, like, yeah, we definitely don't need you procreating and creating, bringing life that's half you and half Alice, Peter Meyer, into the world. We don't need one of those creations. So, yeah, while the guys are congratulating Chuck on his conquest, or whatever, Paul is being the reasonable, logical person that says, I hope you used protection. I, he would not have been at that church if he were using protection. I remember when I worked at Rite Aid, and there's a young boy, probably of 16, 17, buying condoms. And I'm like, oh, that's good. That's good. You're being responsible. I said that to this kid. <laughs> and I'm like, you're being responsible. Good. Because there are a lot of kids out there that are not probably being responsible. So it's nice that you're taking responsibility. <laughs> um, Paul's getting on people's nerves. The guys are getting sick of it. As Jeff lights a cigar. He's like, Paul's like, you're not going to light that thing, are you? And I'm just thinking, no, Paul, I'm going to shove it up my ass. What the hell? Of course I'm going to light it. And Paul's like, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. You're, he's lighting it. I'm gonna, you're gonna get lung cancer. This smoke is gonna get into my, my jacket. I got an air freshener out of the car. So Paul leaves, and Kevin's getting a little irritated as well. He's getting a little, like, peed off. It's like, what the fuck? I, I'm defending him as much as I can, but even now, he's getting on my fucking nerves. And at one point, Chuck is like, hey, guys, are we going to play another hand or what? What's going on here with the game? I thought we were playing the poker game. And Kevin's like, no, no, I'm out. And the other guys are like, yeah, me too, we're out. So it's like, no, we don't really want to play anymore. We want to hear about you and Alice. <laughs> that is 
definitely the most interesting thing right now. Like, let's diverge from, from Paul and his sad sack self for a moment, and let's focus on you, Chuck. Because you got the interesting story here. So when are we going to hear about Jeff and his cheating and, and, and Randy and his family of math? Are we going to get to that eventually? So while Paul's out getting the air freshener, I can bet that the guys are going to lay into Kevin. Like, why are you hanging out with Paul still? You guys don't have anything in common anymore other than you were born, like, a week apart. <clears throat> Brother. And so maybe it was time to have a little talk with old Paul. I'll be back in a minute. To clue him into public opinion. Delicately. Diplomatically. <laughs> Paul, you're being a real pain. What's that supposed to mean? Well, you just gotta lighten up a little. Lighten up about what? Well, for starters, you can forget about the air freshener. Do you know how much it smells in there? Paul, who cares? It's just the guys, and we're playing poker. I mean, don't make such a big deal out of it, okay? Okay? Okay. So Kevin tells the guys, like, hey, I'll be right back. Let me talk to him. He heads, as Paul is still heading out to his car to get this air freshener. Now, when I thought of air freshener, I don't know why the hell I thought of, like, one of those little um, rearview mirror uh, little tree air, like, car air fresheners. I didn't think it was going to be a giant-ass spray can. Uh, yeah, because we need to be breathing in that aerosol spray. <laughs> um... Kevin tells Paul, like, hey, what is up with you? You're really gotten on everyone's nerves. Why are you being like this? We're just hanging out. Is the cigar really that bad? Because Paul is like, do you know how bad it stinks in there? And now that I think about it, you think that Norma and... Jack, or, well, Norma, at least, wouldn't be going down there, because isn't that where the laundry is, isn't it? It's in the basement, remember? Because they had a TV and a couch down there when Kevin and Becky Slater and Carla and Paul were all doing the the hickey orgy dealy down there. Yeah. You don't think that she's not going to smell cigarettes or cigar, cigar smoke is the worst. It is, you think cigarette smoke is bad? Cigars are a thousand times worse. It's like, when I was working at Burger King, the drive-thru once when I was a teenager, this guy reeked of cigar smoke. Reeked of it. Like he had bathed in it. And it was just, my eyes were watering. And it's just, <clears throat> um, but anyway, yeah. Like, they're not going to say about that. Uh, not to mention, the felt on that poker table is going to reek. Um, Kevin just tells Paul, like, why don't you just chill out for one fucking night, all right, man? It's the guys. We're trying to have a good time. You are really bringing it down, all right? Okay? Okay? Paul, just, just be laid back for once. For me. For me. And Paul's like, he kind of relents like him. All right. Kev, I'll do it for you. I'll do it for you, because you're my buddy. And I'm... I mean, Paul must kind of know how he's coming off to the guys. I mean, I don't really think Paul cares that much, but... We've known Paul for six seasons, and this is just Paul. 
this is he's no different now than he was in season one you know he had the allergies and he was kind of a, a little on the uptightness and you know he never really got to cut the only time i remember paul cutting loose is season two episode one heart of darkness when he and kevin hang out with gary kose while they're smoking the ciggies, they're drinking the booze, they're talking about the boobies, and the girls, and all that stuff. So, I, I, I don't know what to say here. Um, just, Paul's gonna have to chillax for a couple hours. Just chill yourself, buddy. Have fun. Let loose! You are a teenager! I mean, don't let go of your morals. Still be you, but just... I mean, if Paul honestly didn't want to be there, he'd go home, right? But I don't know. Does he want these guys, the goofball guys, to like him? Or I don't really think it really matters. If he wanted to fit in with them, he would just leave his self self at the door and just not let it, anything bug him. But... other issues where Chuck is flat out crying because he thinks he got Alice pregnant and Paul is like I knew it I just knew it and Kevin at this point is just like Paul shut up you are not helping Randy of course 
is failing trigonometry. He said he bombed the last three tests. Uh, his guidance counselor said that he could possibly not graduate. Although she did, he or she eventually did say that if he brings a grade up, he could. Here's the thing. Okay. If you realize you're taking a test, right? And a subject you don't feel that you're confident in. And you know you're probably going to fail it. If you fail it and then you're like, I still don't get it. And you fail the second test. Get some tutoring. Get some tutoring. It's 1973. I'm sure there are tutors available. I know that's got to be hard for a guy. Because, you know, the confidence. Like, I don't want to look like a dummy. I don't want this to get around that I... I'm failing a class, that I'm not smart, because the thing that tipped them off was the fact that Randy thought he had a straight, two, four, five, two, three, four, five, six, and that was a nine that Chuck pointed out, like, no, that is a nine. Two, three, four, five, nine is nothing. You know how easily a six looks like a nine, especially on playing cards? Yeah. I made that mistake with candles. Like, I was getting a six, and I got a nine, and I pulled out a nine. Like, okay. And Jeremy's like, no, that's a nine. That is not a six. Those, they look, they both got the loop, but they go different ways. I don't know whoever made numbers and stuff, but whoever thought of that was, I don't know where your head is. Uh, whoever, the six and the nine are identical. The only thing is you flip them. I've had thing times where sometimes I might get, like, a sentence, like, the words jumble. It doesn't happen very often, but I guess, you know, I read a lot sometimes. Anyway, um, yeah, I'm not saying that Randy's dyslexic. He's not. It, like I said, it's very easy to get a six and a nine mixed up. But the thing is, y y kids sometimes, I think, feel that they can coast along through high school and just get by, and that's fine. But it's like, you have four years to prepare yourself for the future, whether it's college, whether it's getting a job. If you plan on going to college, you best better use every ability that you have inside of you to get the best grades possible because that is what colleges look at. They look at they look at GPAs. And I'm just saying, Randy, if you knew that you had a problem with this subject and you're going to bomb those tests, it's like if you don't understand the subject, you're not going to do well on the test regardless. You're just not. Get help before it gets to be that bad to the point where you are failing the class. I think nowadays parents are alerted when their kids are failing a class or whether they're having trouble in a class. The parents are now notified by email and stuff like that. So, Randy, just be happy that you don't live in the tw the, 20, the 20 teens because... Yeah, your parents would have been well aware of that, and a tutor would have been gotten for you. Um, I was wrong about Jeff and, like, oh, is he cheating on his girlfriend? No, that's not the cheating they're, they're referring to as Kevin 
bends down underneath the table and finds a king on the floor. And Kevin is shocked. He stand, He gets out from underneath the table, looks at Jeff, holds the king up and says, you've been cheating. You're a cheater. You've been screwing with all of us this whole night. That they, Every damn hand, Jeff's been winning every single, you don't see anyone else winning a hand. I would have like, all right, game over, we're done. Or I would have like, that's it. Someone else hold the cards. And you keep your hands above the table at all times. I want to see your hands all the time. The moment your hand goes below that table, I'm calling you out as a cheater. You know, I don't care if you got to scratch your balls. I don't care if you got to itch your leg. Keep your hands above the table where I can see them. Okay, so Kevin calls out a... Um, a timestamp. It's been an hour and a half, so they've been playing for 90 minutes, an hour and a half. And it's a freeze frame as we get Kevin's narration as he is now calling Ch uh, Jeff out as a cheater. And Jeff's just sitting there uh, nonchalantly with the cigar in his fingers. Like, yeah. What is going on with you? You clearly are not. If you got a resort uh, to cheating then you are clearly not a good poker player or a card player. I remember the one time, you know, when the first Harry Potter movie came out and they were coming out with, like, a Harry Potter version of Clue or a Harry Potter version of Monopoly or this or that. And my friend Jerry and I, I got in the, the Harry Potter Clue version. And I think it was, like, down to one thing for, like, me to win the game. So when Jerry got up to go to the bathroom, and I will admit, admit I cheated, I looked at his car to see what he had, and then, of course, he was none the wiser when he came to sit back down, and I, like, oh, it's this, and I won the game. None the wiser. Friday night poker game. This guy's cheating. This guy's flunking school. This guy might be a father. This guy is annoying everyone. And this guy? Well... You cheated. I did not. My fingers were greasy from the potato chips. You know, I, I'm sure a card, you know, just shot right out of my hands. Into the floor? Alright. Bullshit. All right. Then ask yourselves this. Why would I possibly cheat at cards? You suck. You well, the suck. way I see it, your motive is greed. Yes. Excuse me, Lieutenant Columbo. Maybe I'm just a better card player than all you guys. You ever think of that? I can't take this anymore. This is insane. Chuck. And somehow, I couldn't avoid the thought maybe Chuck was right. So Kevin's calling him out, calling out Jeff on his cheating, and Jeff, of course, is going to use the excuse. Oh, well, it just slipped out of my hand. You know, my fingers are so greasy from all the potato chips that I'm eating. So, yeah, it slipped out of your hand and fell to the ground? If your hands were above that table, that card would have fell on the table. It would not have fallen beneath it. So Jack throws his cards on the table, says, hey, I'm done. Kevin decides to be the fr a good friend and go up and kind of, like, help Chuck work through his feelings about the idea that he could be become a father. Kevin's being a good friend right here. 
And I love how, like, we freeze frame down, like, around the poker table, and Kevin is calling out, this guy's failing math, this guy could be a father, this guy is cheating, and this guy right here is annoying the hell out of everybody. You okay? Listen, I, I know what you're thinking. That my life would be over. No. No, I, I know how it sounds. <laughs> but it wouldn't be that bad, really. I mean, Alice and I, we could live in my parents' attic until we graduate high school. And after that, we could move into the garage. Chuck, why don't you wait until you find out for sure? I mean, it's not like you're a doctor or anything. So? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, how much do you really know about biology anyway? Apparently, just enough to be dangerous. Excuse me, I gotta make a phone call. Paul! Yeah? We were in here, you know, Chuck and I. Right, and now Chuck left, and now I'm gonna make a phone call. And I don't know. Hello? Maybe because of what the guys had said, or maybe because of the way he was acting. But suddenly, I was beginning to see Paul in a whole new light. So Kevin is trying to be the comforting friend, and Chuck has got, like, in his mind, you know, he, he's really worried. So he's coming up with all these scenarios saying, hey, Alice and I, we can stay in my parents' attic until we graduate, and then after that we can move into the garage. You really think her dad, her dad does not even like you, Chuck. You think that he's going to be happy with the idea that you and her created another life? You think he's going to say, sure, honey, you can go live with your boyfriend in his attic and then in the garage? Oh, he ain't gonna be fine with that. And, of course, who comes up while they're talking? Paul comes up. Oh, I gotta make a phone call. Uh, he's calling his parents to say he's gonna be a little later. And Kevin is pissed. He's like, hey, Paul, you just interrupted a conversation between Chuck and I, which was personal that we were having. And Chuck just, you know, leaves. He goes back downstairs. And Paul doesn't care. He's like... Yeah, well, Chuck left, and, well, now I'm making a phone call. Paul is being a dick. He really is. He could have said, oh, excuse me, Kevin, I need to use your phone, not, here, I need to, I'm using your phone. I don't care what you say, even though you're having a private conversation with your friend here. He's being very inconsiderate. What is his problem? Now we get back to the poker game and Randy, I think, is he's probably talking about his dad probably finding out that he's failing and maybe he's got to get a tutor or something. Next me to go to some great college. I don't know how to tell him I might not even graduate from high school. I would suggest doing it over a nice dessert. Thanks. Hey, I'm watching you, Billy, so hang on your car. <sighs> okay, I'm back. Oh, and so there we were. Five friends playing poker. Hey, maybe if you dealt a little slower, my cards wouldn't end up in the cheese puffs. Five friends arguing and sniping, carping and whining, taking umbrage at even the pettiest offense. Yeah, well, maybe if you learned how to shuffle, you could deal once in a while, huh? <coughs> you call that feeling? Suffer. Five friends who couldn't agree on a thing. Hey, we're at food. Except one thing. Yeah, someone should run out and get more. So who wants to go? Paul. Kev? Send Paul. What, leave you guys with all the cards? Alright, fine, I'll go. 
No way. He'll just go out and get another deck. All right, I'll go. But I'll take the deck of cards with me. Of course, Kev, how do we know you won't cheat? Me? So naturally, there was only one solution. We did what any five petty, squabbling, distrustful best friends would do. Okay, so Randy just is saying how his dad expects him to go to a great college, and Randy's like, how can I go to a great college if I'm not probably not even going to graduate high school? And Jeff's like, oh, well, take your dad out for a nice dessert and tell him over that. Um, and now, of course, the one thing that the guys can agree on is, as Randy puts it, hey, there's no more food, as he tips an empty bowl forward. See? No food. We ate all the chips. There's no food left in this house. We ate it all. What are we going to do? Um, also, the fact that they're deciding who is going to go and get the food, and they're like, oh, no, Jeff, we can't leave you here alone with the cards because you'll probably cheat again. And Kevin even makes a point about saying, hey, Jeff, hands. Want to see your hands all the time. Why is he constantly dealing the cards? If you don't trust him, put that on to Paul. Like, uh, each player should be dealing the cards at least once. I have not seen anyone else deal these cards but Jeff. That is your indication. So... <laughs> Kevin decides, all right, guys, we're all going to get in the car. We're all just going to go. Because they're all like demanding, well, well, gee, if I leave you here, you're going to cheat. Kevin, oh, if you take the cards with you, how do we know you're not going to cheat as they all look at him like, prove us wrong. So the guys are all going to go. We got a couple neon signs of different restaurants in the background. I think they're just going through like a drive-thru or something. Alright, um, liquor, food, open 7 a.m. till midnight, M-I-D-N-I-T-E. We got Pop Court and Reagan Diet for 99 cents. We got one gallon of milk, 89 cents. I think a gallon of milk now is like at least over $2. Extra large eggs, 49 cents. Are they, oh, they're going to like a, li a liquor like convenience store or something that's got like chips and I thought they were through a drive-thru or something. No, they need stuff to bring back with them, not stuff to eat on the way back home. Okay, let's see. We got Pizza Guy, a neon sign in the back around behind. What is this thing? Irapocido? I-R-A-P-R-I-D- No, that's- Hold on. Maybe it'll come into focus. H-A-P-K-I-D- I- this feels like one of those things where they have you hold a th paper up to your eye and say these lines. What? I think it might be some type of ethnic food restaurant. So I'm going to play this clip as the guys are trying to get some munchies for their poker game. They've been at that for an hour and a half. How long do you go on playing cards for? Why does it take five guys to get food? We're hungry. Because we're morons. Hey, who are you calling a moron? Hey, figure it out, Sherlock. Hey, look, can you guys maybe quit picking on each other? Well, I'm gonna get the stuff. No, okay. you go and you'll come back with 12 pounds of fruit. Whoops. <laughs> Stupid. What did you say, Paul? Nothing. No, because I heard you say something. I didn't say anything. Well, here's what I say. Maybe you're a moron, but let me tell you something. Stuart and Irene Coleman did not raise any morons. No, you deserve all the credit for that, right? I'm out of here. Me too. Randy. Oh, there he is. 
So Kevin kind of states the obvious when he's in the car. Why do we need five guys to pick up food? Exactly. Why? <laughs> because none of them can be trusted to be left alone with the cards, would be my guess. So the guys are all bickering at each other, and Paul says something, and he says stupid, and Kevin just turns around, because they're parked right now outside the convenience store, looks at Paul like, Excuse me, what did you say? And Paul's like, nothing, I didn't say anything. He's like, no, Paul, seriously, tell me, what did you say? Are you calling Are you calling me stupid? Get the hell out of my car. <laughs> well, because the reason Paul says stupid is because Kevin makes a crack about, oh, Paul, if you go in there, you're just going to buy 12 pounds of fruit. And that's why Paul mentioned, said stupid. That is a very small cart. That is like a child-sized cart. Kevin picks up... What are those? Those are pretzels. I think they're pretzel sticks. Kevin picks them up, and Paul's like, no, those are bad for you. Well, Paul, according to you, salty snacks of any kind, Oreos, that's all bad for you. Yet you're helping yourself to the food. Wait, no, he wasn't because he had an orange. Never mind. I honestly really hope that Paul and Kevin kind of get to the bottom of what's going on. Because clearly they can agree that their friendship is not as strong as it used to be. Kevin is more wanting to hang out with goofy guys like Jeff and Chuck and Randy, who are occasionally Ricky, who are goofy guys who are there to have a fun time. Paul is like the friend that you have when you're like in your early to mid-twenties and you've settled down your wild ways and you're just looking for someone to just, you know, talk how your life is going or something. It just almost feels like Kevin and Paul, like, they've grown out of the friendship a little bit, but they do stay friends. What we hear in the series finale, they do. Paul goes off to Harvard, which of course he does because he's Paul and he's a smart man. But they still seem to stay friends. There was even a basketball episode that Kevin and Paul, you see before the credits, that they're grown men and they're playing basketball together, you know, a pickup game in the schoolyard as the sun is setting behind them. Angry at Paul, or if I was angry at myself for suddenly hating my best friend, but you know, it used to be fun to hang around with you, and I don't know what it is now, but being with you is like being what I don't know. I just think, but what I didn't want to say was that Paul had changed. You know, Kev, you've changed. What? Hey, what's that supposed to mean? you hang around with those guys and all you care about is being cool in front of them. Well, I do not. And besides, they're your friends too. No, they were your friends first. We were friends, so I just came along. What, so I can't have any other friends other than you? That's ridiculous. You know, I call you when the guys get together. I invite you to the poker games. I Yeah, and that ski trip over spring break. I bet you were going to invite me to that too, right? That's what I thought. I can't even sit in the car with you, morons. Shut up, Chuck. You know, I wouldn't have to be here if it wasn't for your cheating. Hey, Mr. Matthews, don't you have some studying to do or something? 
Look, shut up about my math already. At least I don't cheat. Maybe you should. You haven't won a hand in three months. Why don't you both take a hike? You sound like you're married. I don't believe you guys. You know you make me sick. Oh, yeah? Well, what are you going to do about it? What am I going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? And, of course, there was only one answer. So... Paul and Kevin decide to have it out right there in the middle of that convenience store. And I'm like, is this really the place? But then again, they've been holding it in for a while. So Kevin kind of starts off with saying how, you know, Paul, you used to be fun. What happened? You, know, you used to be fun to hang out with. But now, I mean, it's like you're, you're, and Paul's like, what? And Kevin's just, you know, trying to come up with, you know, not trying to hurt Paul's feelings. And while he's, you know, trying to come up with something, Paul just looks at Kevin like, I can't believe you. And he says, you know what, Kevin? You've changed. Because even in, in Kevin's mind, he's thinking Paul has definitely changed. They are not the same kids that they once were. They are young men now. And... Paul kind of throws it in Kevin's face how, you know, these other guys, these goofballs that you hang out with, it's like you're always trying to impress them by showing off how cool you apparently think you are. And Kevin is like, well, I've tried to include you. I invite you to these poker games and everything like that because, you know, I'm still your friend. And it's almost like he's saying that I'm doing you a favor by trying to include you because you're still my friend and I don't want to make it sound like I'm, I'd rather hang out with these guys instead of hang out with you. And Paul brings up the whole fact about, well, what about that ski trip that we we're supposed to have? I'm sure that you never originally planned on inviting me, did you? And Kevin's at a loss for words and Paul just shakes his head like, yeah, that's what I thought. So Paul walks off. And at least they cleared the air. It's like, you guys need to be honest with each other. You are not as close as you once were. Kevin's more concerned with hanging out with the goofballs. And Paul feels like he's being sidelined. To make matters worse, Chuck, Randy, and Jeff are all bitching at each other about, Oh my gosh, if you're so terrible at math, why don't won't you just go study? Randy's like, gee, if it weren't for you, Jeff, we wouldn't be here right now because of all your damn cheating. We can't leave you alone with the cards. And Chuck is like, you two, look at you two. You're acting like a married couple. And Kevin's just watching all of this, this bickering and shit. And he's like, I can't believe I hang out with you guys. You guys are idiots. And they're all looking at Kevin like, oh, we're idiots. Really? What are you going to do about it, Kevin? So now Kevin, they're, they got their snacks, they're back at the poker table, and Kevin is like, all right, ante up. It's a dollar a bet. So they went from a quarter bet. They started out at a nickel, went to a quarter. Now it's a full-on dollar. Stakes are high. Stakes are very high for high schoolers. Because <laughs> we know high school kids, they ain't got no money. Whatever money they get, it's going into the gas tank. It's going to go towards taking out the girls. They don't got no extra money. For a sec here, before we get back to the poker game, I do want to kind of bring this up. As Kevin is like, well, because Paul tells Kevin, like, you only like to act cool in front of them, like you're all this, 
you know, you're acting like a goofball all the time. You're just like them. And Kevin is like, well, they're your friends too. And Paul shoots back like, no, they were your friends first. And then I just came along and you made room for me, probably because you didn't want me to feel left out. And then that's when they bring up, he, Paul brings up that whole thing about the ski trip. It's like, yeah, you were never planning to invite me to that. Like, yeah, they just, there's, you can always have more than one friend. Like, you might have a really good friend, but then you have, that you hang out with on occasion, but then you have other friends that you just goof around with, and your other, you know, you can have different levels of friends. Friends that you hang out with, you don't really get serious with, but then you have the other friends that those are the ones that you go to in time of crisis, in time of advice. You're there for each other all the time. You each got each other's backs. So, I think they're their, their friendship. It's just they're in an awkward stage in their friendship. They're both kind of going in different directions. Kevin's hanging out with it. Like I said, he's hanging out with the goofballs. Paul is more semi-upper crust. He's all business. So... I think that they'll find their way back to each other as friends maybe once they get a little older. Maybe once they're out of college and they're in their late 20s. And they go out for, like, drinks or something. Or, you know, go out for lunch or a pickup game. Or go, you know, have, you know, family picnics with their spouses and children. And then they meet up and stuff. The ante is one dollar. Conversation at a minimum. Two. What had begun three hours ago was a simple game among friends. Three. Had by 10.30 developed into an all-out grudge match. One. I'll take two. Suddenly we were no longer boys playing a man's game. We were men. Men at war. Defending our turf. Standing our ground. All right. I bet 20 cents. 30. 35. And I'll raise you. show no mercy take no prisoners the bets were down Just fold. Just fold. And then, 
fold. I fold. Yes, thank you. I got nothing. At least he's being honest. You mean I win? Yes, you win. You win? I won. I can't believe it, I won. At the very brink of disillusionment <laughs> and despair, Randy Mitchell, the perpetual loser, finally won a hand. So, yeah, it turns out Randy won this hand. I kept, you probably heard me saying over the audio, like, fold, 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 Jeff, come on. Uh, he, he folded. Um, what is, Paul's got, like, three pair, no, not three pair, um, no, wait, he's got, uh, two pair, Kevin's got a pair, one of them's got a pair of jacks, and... Someone's got... Oh, Chuck is like... Oh, I got a straight. Almost. Well, then you didn't get a straight, then, Chuck. You got diddly crap. You didn't get anything. But Randy won. And the thing is, I kind of wonder... I honestly kind of wonder this. Did Jeff actually have a hand and he just kind of gave in and said... No, Randy, you win, just to kind of, like, because he's been cheating the whole time that maybe he just kind of gave it a, like, I could have won, but then I decided, like, I'll just let me, let Randy have this just because he's failing math, like, he's trying to be a good friend. And then the phone rings, and Kevin goes to answer it. I bet it's his parents. So, it's, like, 1030, it's the last hand of the night and everything, so that's why, um, everyone's... Deal with their, their, their auntie. And I thought he, Kevin said at the beginning it was like a dollar and you hear like 30 cents or 20 cents, 30 cents, 35 cents, 50 cents. I thought it was a dollar. I thought you had, whatever, whoever places a bet for a dollar that everyone else has to place the same bet of a dollar. And obviously you can probably tell I don't know what the hell I'm talking about because I really don't, I don't play poker. I don't really play cards very often, hardly at all. Um, my family being from Michigan, we play, um, well, I don't play. I could have learned. My family is big on Euchre. They're big on Euchre. And I'm sure there are instances maybe over the years where if I wanted to have learned, I could have. But it's like, no, my family's been playing that for a year. I don't know how well I could do, and I just don't want to, like, be constantly asking questions and it's just I'd ruin the flow of the game so that's why I never Euchre is high stakes with my family it's like I don't want to be in on that I, I really don't that just mm. well I thought it was like Norma and Jack just checking in with Kevin they must have gotten Jack and Norma must have gotten like a hotel room for the night where they cannot be parents they can just be Jack and Norma and enjoy each other's company and have sex and not have to worry about being loud because it's a hotel room and you can be as loud as you want to be. No, it's not Norma checking in. It's Alice. And she is calling to give Chuck some news. Hey, there, I see a thermostat in the back. Wait, is that a thermostat? That looks like there's a ladder in the back. What is that? I don't know what it is. Hello? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Chuck, it's Alice. Honesty. The fact that this deck had five kings. So, um, Alice is not pregnant, so that means she either took a pregnancy test and it was negative, or she started her period, one of the two. So that is a big weight off of Chuck's shoulders, so luckily, no, no, uh, Baby for them, thank the Lord. Thank you, thank you. We don't need that out there in the world. Um, <laughs> and everyone's just kind of, you know, I love how Paul and Chuck kind of make amends as Paul, like, extends his hand across the poker table, you know, to shake Chuck's hand, like, good, good, good that's good news for you. Um, and the atmosphere is now kind of good. You know, everything's good. Um, they call it a night as the boys are exiting the basement or the house and they all kind of come out one at a time paul heads out he's like see ya and jeff uh kevin's like oh it's good that randy uh won a hand huh and the thing that got me is like yeah that kind of confirmed my suspicions a little bit whereas jeff says well he deserved to win a hand at least once and i'm like yeah he he let him just in those words alone Jeff let Randy win. He let him win. And, of course, you know, Chuck's, like, uh, out of there, like, oh, dodged a bullet there. <laughs> uh, and you kind of hear in the background how Jeff says, hey, Coleman, you owe me seven bucks. And Chuck's like, I do not. So Kevin goes downstairs to kind of clean things up a bit, and he looks at Jeff's hand. One, two, three, four kings. And... Kevin's like, he won. Then he flips over the last card. Another king. So, yeah, apparently Kevin's like, yeah, this deck apparently has got five kings in it. This deck of cards. Like, no, it doesn't. One's a cheater, always a cheater with the cards, I guess. Huh? But I like that 
Jeff, he he did a solid for Randy. Like Randy needed to win, even though it was not not true with it. Whatever, Jeff's he's the cheater of cards. And we think, you know, that's it. But then of course we hear the 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 door kinda shut and Paul comes in. I really hope that they kind of they've already hashed out their frustration and their problems over the weakening of their friendship. But I'm hoping that Kevin and Paul like this just kind of like this glues us back together. Like, hey, do you want to hang out and just watch some TV or something? Like, we had the the moment with the guys. You know, I, I participated in this and that. I know I got annoying and I on everyone's nerves. But, hey, you and me, can we hang out once in a while? Just, you know, the two of us like we used to? So I'm going to play this clip. I really hope that that's what this is. That maybe Paul like, I'm sorry for being annoying and everything, and but I really miss us and what we had as friends. Can we have that every once in a while, just you and me? The door was open. Forgot my jacket. Oh. I guess that silence said it all. That things had changed between Paul and me. That the unspoken ease of our friendship slipping away so i guess i'll see you in school yeah paul uh, i just wanted to say that uh but there was no way to say it those 17 years he knew what i meant thanks After all, standing there on the edge of adulthood, we knew that the problems of men were not easily solved, that life was a risk, that growing up was a gamble, that the time for bluffing had passed. Come on, Paul, let's see what you got. Uh, is this a three or an eight? Eight. Uh, after 40 years, I should think you could afford a new deck of cards. Still? You never knew. Jeff, what's that under your sleeve? My cuff leak. Yeah? Well, that cuff leak better not be able to beat three queens. Never mind. With a little luck, things just might turn out oh, okay. What you got? I got the bubkas. So, anyone hungry? Turns out Paul just forgot his jacket and he grabbed it and... It almost looks like they kind of want to make amends and Kevin wants to say something. But, you know, them looking at each other, it's like, you don't have to say anything. It's like, you guys, you know, you, you, you're good now. Um, and I get where Kevin is kind of coming from in a way. He just seems like things were so much easier when we were younger. And it just seemed, the friendship just seemed easier. You didn't have to overthink anything. And now it's just... Things are, you know, they're becoming different people, and, but they still, it's like, the friendship is still going to be there. It may not be as strong as it once was, but they, they're there for each other and everything, but, 
So Kevin shuts the door after Paul leaves. He goes to turn the light off and he turns around and we get a shot of the card table again. It's like probably 40 years into the future and the guys are all sitting around playing cards, this old man, and it's it's sweet. It really is sweet. As Paul, of course, being nearsighted, he's not wearing glasses anymore. You think that, well, because he had, um, oh, contacts at one point. So by that time, would LASIK eye surgery have been around that maybe he could have gotten that back in his, like, 40s or something like that? I mean, I don't know. Well, let me think. If this is 73 and there's 17, so that would be 23. Three years later, with 93, 96? 96. Was LASIK around in 96? I don't know. But, um, <laughs> Paul's kind of like, are these a two? Or is this something else? And of course, Kevin's all like, you better not be cheating over there, Jeff. I don't want to see your, where we got up here. Because he's like, what do you got in your sleeve? And Jeff's like, my cufflinks. And he's like, well, their cufflinks better not like, like, make me lose my, my, uh, three pair, or two pair, or three of a kind, or whatever. It just, it, it was funny watching them all as old men. So, um, I'm going to play, or I'm going to, um, read the quote, the ending episode, which you probably heard in the clip. Adult Kevin narrator. Those 17 years, he knew what I meant. After all, standing there on the edge of adulthood, we knew that the problems of men were not easily solved. That life was a risk. That growing up was a gamble. That the time for bluffing had passed. Still, you never knew. With a little luck, things just might turn out okay. Aww. This was a cute episode. It was cute. Um, I am going to give it a little on the low end. I'm just going to say three out of five. That's kind of average for me. The things I liked. Um, I liked... Um, I, I liked Kevin and Paul kind of hashing it out at, at the convenience store. Um, I liked the ending between... Kevin and Paul, where Paul comes to get his jacket, and they don't really have to say anything, but, I mean, they do understand, yes, their friendship is changing, that they're, they're not as, they're still best friends, but they're just kind of, kind of growing apart a little bit. They're changing, they're getting older. Um, of course, the scenes with them as old men was cute. Um, the thing I didn't like, the whole thing with Chuck and the pregnancy and Jeff with the cheating, just like, uh, I don't know which one. The whole, I don't know which one was worse in my eyes. I just, at least Randy's problems seemed more semi-realistic, I guess. Um, as far as we're wondering words of wisdom, as I've said, friendships change over the years. You know, the friends you have as a kid... You know, and I, I want to say that in the movie Stand By Me, if you've seen it, that ending quote that says, I never had the same... I'm going to I want to pull that quote up because I do not want to ruin it because it's such an amazing quote. 
All right, I pulled up the quote on IMDb. I love this quote. I never had any friends later on like the ones I had when I was 12. Jesus, does anyone? That is very, very true. The friends you have when you're kids, when you're that age, you guys, you share everything together and everything. And friendships change as, you know, versus when you're a kid as to when you're an adult. Uh, when you have friends as an adult, it's more like friends you go out and you hang out with. And then, you know, there's the friends, the really good ones. You know, maybe you might keep a friend or so that you have had for a very long time, like when you or someone you grew up with that you still remain friends with. And that is really great. But it doesn't always happen for everybody. But um, I think that friends kind of come and go in your life and they're there. They're put there for a reason. They come into your life for a reason and they may only be there for a small amount of time, but there's a reason, you know, that they're, that they're there. It's like they're there to serve a purpose. You may or may not continue to be friends, but they're there when you need them the most. Um, even I said my couple of friends that I had like in junior high and high school, I may be friends with them still, but we're not as good friends as we were when we were younger. You know, you get older, you, your interests change, your, your lives change, they go in different directions, and it's like whether or not you still try to keep in contact with each other. Um, but yeah. Well, I want to talk about next week's episode, guys. I am so looking forward to next week's episode because... It is one I've been waiting for, and I'm so excited about it because we get, and I'm pretty sure because when I was looking up for the pictures for it, we get a line of um, dialogue exchange between Jack and Winnie. I am, we have never had that before, and I swear, as watch, I've watched these episodes, we have never had that. Dialogue exchange between Jack and Winnie, or Dan Laria and Danica McKellar. So, the episode that I'm talking about is season six, episode 19, entitled The Little Women. This episode aired on March 31st, all right, the last day of March in 1993. Kevin is having a hard time dealing with Winnie doing better than him on the SATs. And, wow, okay, so they did take the SATs, and now they're getting the results back. Jack is finding it hard to fathom Norma joining the workforce. Well, she did go to college to get a degree to hopefully join the workforce. What are the Arnold men to do? Take the girls out for a night of bowling, of course. I'm just, I'm excited. I like the idea of it being a couple pairing between... Jack and Norma and Kevin and Winnie. I'm really lo looking for... Oh, um... Wayne's in this episode. Okay. Cool. Randy and Jeff are also in the episode. Alright. So, before I end the podcast, I always like to give a shout out to the listeners. We have Winnipeg, Canada. Sun Valley... Oh, there's a hair on my microphone. Ugh. 
Sun Valley, Nevada, Brooklyn, New York, St. Paul, Minnesota, Washington, D.C., Oakville, Canada, Attleboro, Massachusetts, Minneapolis, Minnesota, Meridian, Idaho, Greensboro, North Carolina, and I'm going to mispronounce this, Jammu, J-A-M-M-U, India, Vernon, Rockville, Connecticut, Richmond, Virginia, Zephyrilis, Florida, Mountain View, California, Atlanta, Georgia, B-H-U-T-A-N, Butan, T-H-I-M-P-H-U is the city, Miami, Florida, D-P-R, Wisconsin, Graysonville, Maryland, B-E-V-E-R-N, Germany, Cali, C-A-L-I, Columbia, Burlington, Massachusetts, Dracut, D-R-A-C-U-T, Massachusetts, Green Bay, Wisconsin, Lafayette, Indiana, Schenectady, New York, uh, Bangalore, Bangalore, India, C-H-I-C-H-O-N-D-I, India, Langley, Oklahoma, McLean, Canada, Norwalk, California, Bosque, B-O-S-Q-U-E, Farms, New Mexico, Me is this Mechanicsville, Virginia, Chantilly, Virginia, Cincinnati, Ohio, Tampa, Florida, Downers Grove, Illinois, San Antonio, Texas, Livingston, United Kingdom, Median, Indonesia, Bao, New Hampshire, Republic of Korea, Goyang-SI, Reston, Virginia, Monterey Park, California, Trail, Canada, Tacoma, Washington, M-A-K-A-S-S-A-R, Indonesia, Quakertown, Pennsylvania, and Lake Charles, Louisiana. All right. Everyone have a wonderful weekend. I will be uploading. I'll probably just do it right after I upload this episode. Um, the season four episode, the Christmas episode, where Mr. Uh, Coach Cutlip dresses as Santa Claus. So, all right. Have a great, great weekend, everybody. Bye-bye.